So the last two weeks, uh, we've been looking at reactions uh, of uh, Mary and Joseph to learning about the coming of Jesus. Uh, with the events surrounding Mary, uh, what we saw there was that, you know, we will grow in real hope as we learn that God can be trusted. And the more we learn and live what we learn there, that God can be trusted, uh, the more hope becomes real in our life, the more it becomes real in our living. As we grow in that trust, uh, hope just begins to abound. And last week we looked at Joseph and we saw, you know, out of the description of him as a righteous man, uh, he treated, he did treat Mary very much in love. He, his response to her was a very loving response, even while he was devastated. Even when he had had thought that Mary had betrayed him in in, in one of the deepest ways that can ever happen, uh, he still treated her in love. But while Joseph really did love Mary, uh, we went even deeper at that because we wanted to see the amazing love of God who gave His Son to redeem us from our sin. That's what shines through in that passage about uh, Joseph, really, is the, the reality that we have that amazing love of God who gave us his son to redeem us from our sin. Uh, today, we're going to look at the events surrounding the shepherds as we think about great joy. Let's pray together and we'll turn into that passage. Father, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we can have a joy that is above and beyond where we live even. Now, I just have to say you've surrounded me in very great circumstances. You have given me circumstances that bring me great joy. But it is nothing compared to the joy that comes when we have that relationship with you and realize uh, a deeper sense of joy, a deeper reality of what you have given to us and made available to us. So teach us today as we look into your word that we might know, that we might understand not just the unfolding of events in Scripture, but the unfolding of Scripture in our lives. I pray you would make that a reality today as we look and open ourselves to you. Thank you for this time, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. The events of the shepherd come immediately um, after the birth of Jesus. It seems the very night he was born. If you want to turn to Luke chapter 2, that's where we're going to be. It's on page 942 in the Pew Bible. Um, and, and we're going to start at the beginning here in verse 1, really. It's the account of Jesus' birth, uh, simply because it's too important to pass up. Now, the message is really coming from uh, the verses later, beginning in verse 8. But I just I thought, well, we can't really, you know, I, didn't, I just didn't want to pass this part up. So beginning with verse 1, Luke chapter 2, beginning with verse 1, it says, In those days... A decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. 
While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him snugly in cloth and laid him in a feeding trough because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Now, just a couple of comments as I was reading through this here. One of the things that it seems to me is it seems Luke did not record Joseph's version of the birth because it lacks the details I think Joseph would have included. I mean, that's just my opinion here. All of us who are fathers, all of us who are fathers have versions of our children's birth, and they're usually more entertaining than the wife's version. Uh, I, I guess that's, that's, that's how, we could, how we could word that. And we love to tell them. We love to tell those stories. I can tell you, I can tell you stories, uh, you know, of, of the birth of all three of our children. And, you know, and just, I tell the birth of a story of some of your children and I wasn't even there, you know, but I've heard, and it's you know, just because it's, uh, you know, uh, Tony, you, you know, you and Jeff, that's one I, you know, I've told, I, I've told before and, uh, you know, the, you know, others and I've, I've told people about. You know, Caleb and Lauren and just different things, uh, you know, but it's just kind of a, a neat thing. Well, Luke wasn't, you know, Luke wasn't there at the birth of Jesus. And if Joseph did tell him about it, one of them left out a lot of details. That's all I got to say. Um, but here's the thing to remember. It's a very brief account, really. But we have all that God wants us to know. God hasn't left anything out. He hasn't left out any important details that we need to know. All of what we need to know, he has put there in his scriptures for us. So as you look at the accounts in Matthew and Luke, which are really the two accounts that, that talk about the birth of Christ, we have all that God really wants us to know there. Now, we can speculate, and speculation sometimes is fun, you know, and, uh, but, but here's the deal. Look at what it actually says. And realize that God gave us everything that he really wants us to know. It's right there. All right? Now, we're really looking at what starts in verse 8. So follow along. Beginning with verse 8, Luke chapter 2. It says, In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. No kidding. But the angel said to them, don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today, a Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in a feeding trough. Suddenly, there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to the people he favors. Now, we're going to, this is, Andy, this thing, this is still going here behind me for some reason. Um, you know, the, 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 uh, we're going to pause there while Andy works on that, but that's not why we're pausing there. Um, we're going to pick up, we're going to pick up again with, with verse 15 in a minute. Um, yeah, we need to go all the way back to where this, just the scriptures up there. And then we'll kind of throw these other ones up as we go along. Um, well, here they are. These guys are the, these guys. The shepherds are out there. It says they're in they're in the field. They're keeping watch over their flock by night. Nothing like a quiet day at work. You see, 
Well, uh, it seems to start out like a normal night for these shepherds, and nighttime was not necessarily quiet, uh, you know, for the shepherds. It wasn't necessarily that quiet time. Um, things did slow down, you know, and they did slow down a bit, but um, the danger increased at night. See, during the day, they'd have to watch to make sure the sheep didn't wander off. And as they were watching to make sure that, the, you know, the sheep didn't wander off, uh, you know, that, that they would also uh, use that time uh, to make sure that they led the, the sheep wherever they needed to go to get a, a, a pasture and a, a change of pasture and to get into new pasture time there. Uh, you know, and they'd have to still be aware of predators who were looking for a cheap, easy, free meal. Uh, whether it be an animal or whether it be a person coming to steal, uh, you know, some of the sheep trying to snag a lamb. And at nighttime, what would happen is several uh, shepherds would often gather many of the flocks together. You know, they, they would gather together those flocks of sheep, either in a natural enclosure or in one that they would that they would make. Um, you know, that would that would. Um, that would help them to be able to, to help them to be able to protect them because the predators came out at night. Now, it, it would be hard enough to fend off a pack of wolves, uh, you know, during the day. But at night, the predators had a much better advantage. For one thing, they could see better at night than a human being can. You see, because God designed them and designed those predators to be able to see at night. Because that's when they do a lot of their hunting. And so they had the advantage, really, over the shepherds in that regard. I remember one of our family vacations. It was really the first um, one where we started doing this, renting a place and, and all going to be together. We, <laughs> we rented a chalet <laughs> down near Turkey Run. Um, the chalet was more like a three-story tool shed um, without the tools, but with the bugs, the spiders and everything still in cobwebs. Um, well, anyway, it was a wonderful time. It really was. Uh, uh, we went out at night and thought, well, we would start a, a campfire one night. So we did, and we're sitting on the bench of the um, picnic table, and the fire is going. And we heard something behind us. Now, it's dark out. We heard something behind us, and we kind of glanced, and there's all these eyes glowing, <laughs> sets of eyes glowing. I remember looking under the bench, and oh my, now I could see what they were because sitting under the bench, right underneath me, there was a raccoon. And so there's all these raccoons slowly creeping towards us. Now, here's the deal. You know, it's not that raccoons, raccoons can be vicious, but here's the deal. Um, you know, we were outnumbered and we were out crazied. And one of the things I have found is crazy wins oftentimes. Or if it doesn't win, crazy at least does a lot of damage. And apparently, raccoons really like s'mores, but lack the ability to make them themselves. <laughs> so when you make them, they feel free to come and take them. And they, you know, so 
when you think, when you think of this, uh, now the, the shepherds were facing much more than, than a group of, you know, sweet tooth, wacky raccoons. Um, you know, but, but what they would do is they would work together then to guard the sheep at night because those animals that were attacking the sheep were intent on getting one. That was their goal. And if this person happened to be in the way, it just could be that they'd be out crazied by the animal, you see. So these guys, they're resting, but they're alert. Now, we've, I think we've all been there at one time or another. If you're a parent, I know you've been there uh, at one time or another. The, um, I was over at Marcy's the other day and she was telling me about... Uh, they just got their garage door fixed, their uh, overhead door. And it's much quieter, she said, but it still makes noise. And I want it to because I want to know when it's, you know, when that door is open. And I said, and now you know why I didn't get the squeaks fixed in the hallway at home. <laughs> you see, because when, when the kids or anyone else would walk down that hallway, I not only knew they were coming, but by the squeak, I knew where they were, you see. So these guys, these shepherds, are... They're, uh, they're, you know, resting, but they, they are on high alert. You know, they, they, you know, they have, are straining their eyes, they're straining their ears for any hint of trouble. And while these guys are paying attention, ready to respond to the least snap of a twig, then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. That, I think, is one of the understatements, uh, 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 you know, in Scripture. They were terrified. Uh, you know, it's, I, I like the way the King James puts it. Uh, the King James puts it, they were sore afraid. I like that. They were so, here's my, tra- here's my translation of this. They were so scared it hurt. You see, you, you ever been that scared? They were sore afraid. The word means an intense fear. That's what the words translated you know the terrified or sore afraid it's an intense fear now as i was looking at this and i was studying that and i I was looking up you know the meanings of this word and all that stuff um it, it really it it is being so scared that you can't move but it's also being so scared that you run for your life literally run for your life you know, there's there's the, the whole the whole picture of of what it is. Now, I'm really easy to sneak up on. Uh, you know, Michael Pierce snuck up on me this morning. Uh, you know, I'm I'm very easy to sneak to, to sneak up on, and, and you can scare the boogers out of me. You know, and nothing flat anymore. Uh, you know, but here you are. You're ready for wild animals, and that would no doubt get your adrenaline pumping a little bit, even though you didn't hear anything. You know, that just just the fact that. Oh, they're out there. You know, we didn't have any more campfires after that night. You know, that one was enough. You know, the the raccoon underneath my seat, uh, that was enough. You know, we didn't want to do that anymore. you know, and, and you know, they're there and they're ready for wild animals. The, the adrenaline is, is no doubt going. And instead, an angel of the Lord appears with the glory of the Lord shining around them. Terrified, I don't think, begins to cover their reaction that's going, that, that was going on here. You know, they're doing their job. They're minding their own business. They're confronted by an angel with a message from God. I would think, uh, personally, that that's it. This, I, I, 
I'm going to die. You know, this is the last thing that these eyes are going to see here on earth. It's a, and I am, I am, I am just going to die. I mean, they were really, they, they were, they were ready to do their job. They're, they're, you know, they're out there to defend the sheep. Uh, but you know, this really pollywaddled their doodle there. But you know, the the whole thing, you know, know that you, even if you're well prepared, God may surprise you. Even if you're well prepared. God may surprise you. You know, you know, they can, you know, it can be frightening. It can be frightening because we're not ready. Here's what I would say to you. It's a little bit of a contradiction, so be ready. Okay, so, so be, be ready for a surprise. Uh, you know, well, that's the thing. Be ready, realizing God can surprise you, even though you are prepared, even though you are well prepared. Know that God may surprise you. The first words they hear here, don't be afraid. Now, if you recall, the last couple of weeks when we were looking, this was, the, this was the, the same words that Mary heard when Gabriel came to her. You know, don't, don't be afraid, Mary. It was the same words that Joseph heard when the angel spoke to him. Don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife. It was the same words they heard. I think one of the reasons that fear comes is because we're concentrating on something else. And God has to take some very bold action to get our attention. You know, he has to take some very bold action to get our attention because we're concentrating on something else. I remember coaching Mandy's softball team. And we, I was an excitable coach. Um, and the... Uh, we had a, a, a good year this one year, and um, we were scoring runs, and this, it was a lot of fun. In one of those games, uh, we had this young lady, Eleanor. Eleanor um, always looked great. Her hair was in place. She always had a bow in her hair, and she just was just a, you know, just fixed up real well, and her, you know, her uniform was was clean, and she wasn't real crazy about getting it dirty. Uh, so, well, Eleanor was on third base, and I'm coaching third base. And somebody hit the ball, you know, to the outfield. Eleanor's standing there watching it on third base with her back toward me, and I'm saying, and I said, Eleanor, run, Eleanor, run, and she's not moving, she's not budging. And to the point where I am screaming, jumping up and down, run, Eleanor, run. I'm not allowed to touch her, you see. You know, run, Eleanor, run. You know, and she is not. And I am yelling and screaming, and the other girls are running, and all the parents think, well, there goes Mr. Wacky again. And, you know, they, finally she turns around and looks at me, and I said, run, Eleanor, run. Yeah, you run. You know. Sometimes we are so distracted and so focused on other things, God has to do something drastic to get our attention. 
And I think this is part of what, you know, part of, of, of what's going on. But I think, that's, I, th- I think that's one of the reasons fear comes in. Because we're distracted by other stuff. And sometimes fear comes in because we're being stretched outside of our norm. We're being stretched outside of our comfort zone. And that can be a little bit unnerving. That can be a little bit fearful for us. Well, then the angel says, no fear. I proclaim to you good news of great joy. Know that God will always lead you to something for your good. He will always lead you to something for your good. Now, you need to understand what I'm saying. I am not saying this in a prosperity gospel type of way. That's not what I'm saying. I am not saying that, you know, God will always lead you to something good and life is just going to be a bowl of cherries, you know, stuff. No, there's pits in there. You know, there's the deal. Uh, what we need to realize, what we need to understand, you know, God will be leading us to something good, not something bad for you. Well, what, what about what I'm in the midst of? He's leading you. He is leading you to something good. Now, that does not mean that it won't be hard. That doesn't mean it won't be painful. Because sometimes it is. It was hard for Mary to be pregnant out of wedlock. It was painful for Joseph to find out that Mary was expecting a child that that was not his they continued, they continued to endure the suspicions of the people for years. After Jesus had grown and begun his ministry, and he was, one, one of the times when he was talking, and he was, he was teaching, and he was talking, and with the, some of the Pharisees were there, and they were debating with him a little bit. And one of the things they said to him was, We were not born out of sexual immorality. This is 30 some years after what we're reading here. And it's still coming up. Mary and Joseph, I believe, lived under suspicion until their dying day. They lived under the snooty nose of some people and could never get away from that. But God has a way of using what others intended for harm uh, for good. He has a way of using that, what others see as bad. God has a way of using those for good. Uh, in, In Genesis, when... Uh, Joseph is sold into slavery and he spends all those years in slavery. And uh, at the end, when he meets his brothers and his brothers are a little shook, whoa, dude, he's going to, he's, you know, dad's dead. Joseph's going to kill us because they felt they deserved to be killed because they sold him into slavery. And Joseph tells him, he says, you planned evil against me. But you know what? God planned it for good to bring about the present result, the survival of many people. Do you realize Jesus could have said this exact same thing to those who crucified him? Jesus could have said this exact same thing to those who crucified him. Because those who crucified him were crucifying him because they wanted him out of the way. 
They were crucifying him because they wanted him dead. They were crucifying him because he was, he was getting in their way. They were crucifying him because, because they wanted to go on and do their own thing and didn't want him around. John gives us an account of the discussion among several of the Jewish leaders uh, responding, reacting really to Jesus' growing popularity. It says, therefore, the chief priests and the Pharisees convened a council meeting. And they were saying, what are we going to do in regard to the fact that this man is performing many signs? If we let him go on like this, all the people will believe in him. And the Romans will come and take over both our place and our nation. But one of them, Caiaphas, who was the high priest that year, said to them, You know nothing at all, nor are you taking into account that it is in your best interest that one man die for the people than that the whole world, that the whole nation not perish instead. Now he did not say this on his own, but as he was high priest that year, he prophesied that Jesus was going to die for the nation, and not only for the, for the nation only, but in order that he might also gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. You see, they were planning on getting Jesus out of the way. They were, they, they were, they put him up there on trumped up charges. They didn't mind lying. They didn't mind having others lie about him because they wanted him out of the way, you see. Their intent was evil. Make no mistake about it. The intent of those who, who had Jesus crucified and who crucified him, their intent was evil. And God used it for good. God used that for good. That he prophesied that, he, that Jesus was going to die for the nation and not only for the nation, but in order that he might also gather into one the children of God who are scattered abroad. God uses the destruction and the hurt to bring about good often, often much more than we realize. Much more than we even see and understand. And the verse that I have seen come to reality in my life over and over again. Romans 8:28, And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God. To those who are called according to his purpose. We see rubble. God sees building material. You see, we just see the destruction and everything, and everything that's ruined. God sees opportunity. God sees building material. God sees what he can use in our life to bring about, to bring about his good, to bring about his purposes. The angel said to the shepherds, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For all, much more than they saw there. Much more than they realized. It will be for all the people. A very big part of what makes this good news of great joy is the fact that it's for all the people. Jesus said in John chapter 6, he said, The one who comes to me, I will certainly not cast out. You see, every single one who comes to Jesus for forgiveness 
will be accepted. Every single one. Everyone who comes to him, they will not be turned away. Every single one accepted. You see, and it's, it's not after we measure up. It's not after we join a church. It's not after we change our life. It's not after we right all our wrongs. It's not after we stop smoking, drinking, swearing. It's not after we stop sinning. It is, it is when we come, warts and all. When we come to Him, warts and all. Now, some of those things will change as we come to Him. Some of those things will change when we come to a relationship with Christ. But they are a result, not a prerequisite. They are not a prerequisite. Try saying that ten times fast. Not a prerequisite to coming to Him first. They are a result of our relationship with Him that some of those changes come about. He said, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people today. A Savior who is Messiah the Lord was born to you. A Savior is what we need and a Savior is what God gave us in the birth of Christ Jesus. He gave us that we cannot save ourselves. And so he gives us our Savior. And the angel gives them instructions how to find the Savior. Go, you'll find him. Wrapped in swaddling cloths, well, King James, uh, lying in a manger, lying in a feeding trough. It's a good translation. It says, then a multitude of the heavenly hosts with the angels were praising God. It joins in to emphasize the point there. You know, if God didn't have their attention before, he certainly did now. Real quick, let's just finish this up. Uh, I'm going to go fast. So verse 15, follow along. It says, when the angels had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the feeding trough. After seeing him, they reported the message that they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, just as they had been told. So here the shepherds are. They're guarding the sheep exactly what they you know, had planned on doing that night. God gives them a message, and they do more than simply take in the information. They act upon what they've heard. Two important things jumped out to me here from this. First is obey what you learn from God. Obey what you learn from God. Notice they went to Bethlehem, you know, the city that God pointed out to them through the message of the angel. They went to Bethlehem. You say, well, yeah, well, why not? Well, because Jonah, when Jonah was, <laughs> Jonah was God's prophet and, they, and, and God told Jonah, go to Nineveh, you need to preach to that great city. And what did Jonah say? He said, yeah, okay, I will. And then he promptly went, he, he promptly turned and went to Tarshish instead, the opposite direction. You see, but here they were told to go to Bethlehem and that's where they went. Don't just don't just listen. Apply what you hear. Apply what you hear. Take action. Christianity is not a spectator event. It is a participatory life. It's a participatory life that we live. The second point, know that God might take you in a different direction than you were prepared to go. He might take you in a totally different direction and you were prepared to go. 
Make plans, you know, do what it seems you should. That's normal living. There's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with making those plans, you know, but, but be ready to take a different direction if God gives you more information. Just like with Joseph and Mary, the shepherds were here. They were not doing anything wrong. We looked at that with Joseph. We looked at that with Mary. We looked at that with Joseph. They weren't doing anything wrong. They were not doing sinful things, but also, like with Mary and Joseph, God came and redirected them. He comes here and he redirects them. And when the shepherds, you know, when the shepherds went, it was really a bit of an unorthodox search. Why would a baby be in a feeding trough? I mean, that what in the world? That a little bit unorthodox there. It didn't, you know, it didn't make any sense. But they obeyed anyway. And what does it say? They found things just as God had communicated to them through the angel. They found things just as he said. Now, once again, I don't think most of us will be visited by an angel. You know, certainly God can do that. But, uh, you know, I, I don't think most of us will. But he still communicates his message to us. He communicates his message to us through the Bible, you know, through his word. 95, 99% of God's will for you is found right there in his word. You know, he communicates to us through his word. He can, communicates to us through those inner promptings of the spirit. And those inner prompt, the inner promptings of the spirit will never contradict his word. It will never contradict the Bible. So if you think, you know, that inner prompting is something, you know, that God says don't, that God's word is clear, you shouldn't be doing. No, then you shouldn't be doing it. Then it's something else. That's something else that's prompting you there. He also prompts us, you know, through the ministry of others to us. As others come in and minister to us and help us to grow. And also through the example of others. You know, these are ways God, you know, well, here they obeyed God. They followed his directions and they saw amazing things. They saw Jesus. They saw the Son of God. They saw God himself come to earth. And they were so pumped, it says, they told as many people as they could about what they were told about Jesus. You know, it says they left there and they were just really, they were really pumped. That's a, that's a free translation there. Uh, you know, and they, they, you know, they told everybody, even though they didn't understand it all. They didn't get it. They didn't understand it all. But what they said is, here's what God said, man, and here's what we've seen in our life, just like God said. You know, and then we see the great joy the angels told them about originally. Verse 20, the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had seen and heard, which was just as they had been told. You see, the joy was the result of obeying, looking for and seeing Jesus, you know, and joyful worship flowed from them. If you want to experience great joy, take time to look for Jesus. Take time to obey Jesus. Take time to worship Jesus. Remember, even if you're well prepared, God may surprise you. Even if you're well prepared. Some of it may be hard or confusing, but God will always lead you in a way that is for your good. Even though it might be hard, even though it might be confusing, He will lead you in a way. A Savior is what we need, and a Savior is what God gave us in His Son. And everyone who comes to Him for forgiveness will be accepted. So obey what you learn from God, knowing that He may take you in a different direction than you were prepared to go. Take that time to, to look for, to obey, and to see Jesus, and then to worship Him. Because great, 
Great joy is much more than personal happiness. It's much more and much different than happiness. Great joy is based on that reality of Jesus and the reality of his plan. So you'll find great joy when you pursue Jesus. And the more you pursue him, the more he unfolds things for you. And the more joy you will experience. We are out of time. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the joy that you have brought, do bring, continue to bring into not just my life, but all of ours. Some of it's been hard, Lord, and when we look back, we would have to say thank you for the hard time. Not that we'd want to do it again. Not that we are crazy about being in the midst of it. But we are crazy about doing life with you. So help us, Father. Help us more and more to live in a manner that shows that we really know you. To not be those who uh, sulk and complain, but those who look to you, the God of all creation. Knowing that you do all things well, and you continue to do them in the lives of your people, and through the lives of your people, for your glory and for your honor. Help us to be part of those people, we pray in Christ's name. Amen.